Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strader. Please go to acons.substack.com for our commentary. Or for our podcast, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S or brightnews.com. Today, we've got a little bit of a different show for you. As we enter the new year and wrap up this year, we're going to take a look back in the rear view and have some notable black conservatives with us today to have a roundtable to discuss the year's top stories. So without further ado, let me introduce our guests. Our roundtable guests today are Craig Deleuz, Project 21 member, founder of the Uncommon Sense Media Group and executive board member for the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California. Donna Jackson, Director of Membership for the Membership Development for the Project 21 Black Leadership Network. Dr. Nicole Johnson, Pediatric Critical Care Specialist and Assistant Professor of Pediatrics. And Colonel Anthony Saab, a 25-year military veteran and recipient of two bronze medals and three combat air medals. Welcome, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Perhaps the most interesting story that emerged from 2022 was Elon Musk's procurement of Twitter, in large part because Musk, as CEO, was able to release documents about the relationship between social media and the FBI. What are some of your takeaways from the release of the Twitter files? We'll start with you, Craig. <laughs> wow, there's so much to, to take away from this, but I, I think it what's most important is how little uh most of the mainstream media and big tech are actually talking about it and it's because uh, they're trying to literally cover it up what you have here is government colluded and i feel very comfortable using the term colluded with big tech and media in order to silence uh, those who disagreed with their political narrative and the fact that this is not the biggest story uh, on every news outlet in the entire world uh, is the biggest story in and of itself. Well, th this confirmed what everyone has always known. They've always known that Big Tech was working with the government. Not only that, they know that the mainstream media is working with the government. And they've been suppressing voices of uh, minorities and the American people for decades. This is not something new. This is the same tactics that the FBI uh, used during the civil rights movement. This is nothing new and it's not going to stop just because the information has come out. Nikki? Oh, I agree with Craig and Donna. Uh, but I, I think that the huge story in this one is, I th I'm thankful that Elon Musk um, had the courage to actually stand on his conviction and do what he said that he was going to do when he bought Twitter. Um, but this definitely um, is a, a huge story of, I agree, collusion with not only with the government and social media, um, but other institutions <laughs> um, along with the government and social yes. media to silence dissenting voices. And the biggest word here that needs to be taken away from this is censorship. This is true government censorship that happened. Um, we all knew it, but now we have the receipts to prove it. 
The question now is, what are the Republicans going to do about it? And I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to actually do anything that's going to be punitive um, with this information. Good point. Tony, weigh in. Yeah, look, I think uh, Nikki made a good point about being courageous. Uh, Why can't our congressman be this way? Why do we have a billionaire doing this? Uh, Elon Musk has his own reasons for doing this. I, I would just wish that he would release all of the information at one time so it can all be evaluated. Uh, look, he's in this to make some money off of Twitter because he's certainly taking a hit in buying it. The other thing I'd like to add to this is where's Facebook and where's Google? I can guarantee you there is much more corruption oh, yeah. going on between those two platforms than Twitter because it's yep. a, they're, they're a lot larger. And then the final thing I would say on this is the media. As all of our guests have already said, it's not being covered. So I don't really know how many Americans really know what's going on at this point. So we're going to have to see what the results of this release of information is going to bring as some goodness to uh, pointing out some of the faults that's happening in our government. What I find interesting about the whole thing is, you know, for so long, it's, oh, you QAnon people, oh, you extreme, you know, right and uh, conspiracy theorists. And sure enough, all of those things that we said were happening behind the scenes were absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So to Nikki's point, it'll be interesting to see what's done with that information. You know, Marie, they say, you know, you know, the difference between news and conspiracy theory about six months to a year. That's right. That's absolutely right. Now, Congress Mm -hmm. has just approved an additional $45 billion in aid uh, to Ukraine, bringing the total of U.S. aid to that nation to approximately $100 billion. Should we continue to send Ukraine billions seemingly without accountability or end in sight? Or are the billions we are sending a pittance compared to the cost of allowing Russia to annex a major European country. Craig. I'll say that the two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, I think it is important uh, the role that we play when it comes to uh, defending and being there for our allies is vitally important. And when you have a totalitarian government like that of Russia, like that of Putin, Uh, I guarantee you, folks like China are keeping an eye on exactly how we handle this. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that we just send money, resources and equipment willy nilly with absolutely uh, no accountability. And and it's seemingly that we've had very little accountability in this case. So uh, so I I, I, I believe we definitely need to to look at what we're doing. And I think that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, once again, should he be, be speaker, has said that they're not going to get a blank check. And that's important because he's not just saying we're not going to send aid. He says we're not just going to send aid and have no accountability. That's right. Donna? You know, it's interesting that we're, we just sent another $45 billion to Ukraine. However, we've taken away about that much from historically black colleges. Yes. In this country, we'll support a regime that was known for being the most corrupt in the world. Now, do I think that Russia is a good player in this situation? Absolutely not. But you can't ignore the fact that this was the most corrupt a government in the world and there's no accountability how do we not know if a lot of this is a money laundering scheme 
for a lot of uh, bad actors, including uh, military contractors in this country. We know that during the PPP uh, loans, a lot of money, a lot went to uh, bad actors and then a lot of it was stolen. And I don't for a minute doubt that a lot of this money that is going over to these to Ukraine is never making it to the country. Nikki? Oh boy, lots to unpack here. Uh, unpack here. Um, I, I think this story has a lot uh, covered up that we don't really know about yet. Um, I, I, we're sending blank checks basically um, to Zelensky. Mm -hmm. And we know that Biden and Burisma deals with Hunter Biden um, and uh, weapons of you know, bioterrorist weapons that are being made and sanctioned by the US are there. We have no, like everybody else has said, no accountability for where this money is going. And we're just sending money and sending money and nobody's really asking the questions about where the money is going and why it's being used. So that's point number one. Point number two is we're sending this money um, and Americans at home are suffering. <laughs> Yes. Mitch McConnell said, um, yeah, maybe McCarthy may not want to have blank checks sent to Ukraine, but Mitch McConnell just said this week when Zelensky was there that this was an, a, a primary issue for the Republican Party. No, it's not. It's not the, a primary issue and concern for the American people. No. Why is the U.S. covering 50 percent of, of what Ukraine's uh, country is trying to do to, you know, use to protect themselves and the rest of Europe is not, is not helping out and Americans are over here suffering. That's absolutely right. Tony, weigh in. I would say of all of the topics that are going on and that we're going to talk about today, uh, this is the number two topic besides immigration that I'm most concerned with because I'm closest to it and know probably most about how decisions are made on providing munitions, stockage of uh, weapon systems and all of those types of things to our allies. Look, when this thing took place back in 1994 under the Budapest Memorandum, we said that we would go to Ukraine's aid if they were ever invaded by what country? Russia. Russia invaded. We did nothing. We did nothing under Obama. And now we're pouring money into this country when in fact we have every governor, almost every governor in our, in our nation state right here in our country, asking for aid for fentanyl. What is going on? We have no more representation from our congressmen or our senators on what is really happening with our money. I'm also most concerned about the fact that the systems that we're sending to them, these are not second-rate systems that we're sending. We're sending top-of-the-line, very, very complex systems to them that we're losing our balance on. These systems cannot be built overnight. It's going to take us a number of years to get back up the stockage if we ever go into war. I'm very concerned about it. You know, uh, one of the issues of DK and I had a conversation the other night on Facebook Live. And one of the things that we said uh, was to Nikki's point, we've got people in this country who are not faring well under inflation, who are going to bed hungry every night. Uh, we have people born in this country who are who have served this country honorably, as our veterans have, uh, who are not being 
cared for in the manner that they should be given their service to this country. And yet we found all this money to send to another country. Of course, I understand the geopolitical implications. However, you know, as we said, you put your oxygen mask on yourself first so that then you can help others. And I feel like we haven't done that to the greatest extent possible before sending more aid. It'd be one thing if we hadn't sent any aid at all, but we already have. And so uh, to the point about fentanyl on the border and our border states uh, being absolutely swamped uh, with uh, the influx of illegal aliens, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Uh, this is such a salient point. Now, uh, in June, the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization decision that ruled that abortion was not a constitutional right, something we conservatives knew. In response, pro-abortion advocates, including our president, have sworn to make abortion national law, although the Democrats uh, didn't win enough House seats to make that so in 2022. There's another election in just two years. How do we prevent Dobbs, the Dobbs decision from becoming just a temporary victory for the pro-life movement? Craig? Well, I, I think that, first of all, it's, it starts with uh, helping to develop an understanding of exactly what this decision means. It does not mean that abortion is illegal. In states that had laws that made it legal, uh, it is still legal. And in states that want to have it legal, several of them have passed laws to make it legal. What it says is it is, is that it is not a constitutional right. And the, the, the thing that that is allowed to happen is now we can actually have a discussion about it. When does life begin scientifically, morally, based on spiritually? You know, we can actually have that conversation in each state. And so that, you know, what's really hurt uh, the life movement is the, the very fact that they say, well, it's a constitutional right. There is no discussion. So the number one thing we need to be doing is having those discussions in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, uh, and having those discussions and talking about when does life begin. And uh, even if we don't know, even if we say we don't know, then shouldn't we ought to be erring on the side of protecting innocent life? The conversation is the most important thing for us to be having right now. That's absolutely right. Donna. You know what? Um, so a lot of my background is in accounting and finance, and it's always cash is king. One of the things that uh, the Black American community needs to realize is that abortion is an industry. It is an industry built on killing Black babies. We yes. know that Planned Parenthood yes. started as the Negro Project. Yes. It was a way to eliminate our race. You know that Planned Parenthood in their last financial statement made $1.3 billion and they're on record to make more this year. That means that they made more money than 96% of black businesses, 96% of black businesses, why targeting African-Americans when you have the majority of abortion clinics located in black communities, mm -hmm. despite the fact that we're a smaller percentage of the population, when they're now putting black uh, abortion clinics in minority schools, 
They're yeah. desensitized, introducing sex, sexuality into the classroom to make it normal so that the kids would be so desensitized by the subject that they're willing to engage in the activity at an underage so they can kill more babies. They're very transparent in yes. their websites and advertising the fact that donate money to kill black and minority children. They're very transparent. It, it's been working. If you think about the number of black people that have been killed since Planned Parenthood, we've had multiple holocausts. Almost yes. half of our population has been killed by abortion. That is the most violent place for a black child in America, the mother's womb. To your point, you know, one of the things that I am concerned about, one of the statistics that I've heard is that in the black community, we have had more black babies aborted than the, the black population in 1961. 18 million babies. Uh, and I think it's now uh, 20 million uh, but it, it, the population in 1961 was 18 million. So that that with all the wo the woke uh, discussions that we're having about oh everything is racist, no one is really talking about the inherent racism. Uh, to your point, Donna, that it was built on eugenics. So absolutely, and I'm sorry, uh, it's Nikki's turn. You know, I, I want to just keep going with that. Um, we also had Janet yelling, yelling telling Senator Tim Scott, who was raised by a single mom, that yes. abortion rights are are helpful to black women because mm -hmm. it is a uh, for provides financial security for black women. And the worst part about this is that this is this is what the Democrats think. This is how they've been selling this message. And I think that also that this was a um, a message received by many young women um, who voted in the midterms. And I think it's one of the reasons why, um, we, I know we'll get into this later, that the Republicans lost the midterms because we did not have a message to counter this. Um, so what we need to do is, it's great that this is now back at the state level. I love that. I applaud that that row, um, um, you know, was, was reversed. But what I, and, you know, and Casey uh, versus Planned Parenthood reversed. But what we need to do to strategize um, for the future is to, yes, focus on um, the reasons why we are boarding our children and, and tackle um, that ways that we can make families more financially secure so they are not making the decision um, to kill our babies. So we need to have answers and solutions um, that counter this democratic narrative. And I think that's something that Republicans need to capitalize on. And to your point, you know, uh, one of the things that Stacey Abrams said was, oh, you mm. know, well, mm -hmm. you know, in these inflationary times, uh, just abort your child because, yep. you know, yep. they eat and, you know, it, it takes gas to, to drive them here and there. Yep. 
But we so, need a yeah. counter message. Yeah. We need a counter yes. message. I mean, granted, I mean, black people aren't stupid. We're not going to necessarily, you know, we're not <laughs> going to necessarily believe what Stacey is saying and what Janet Yellen is saying. But that message does resonate with people who are struggling financially, right? And particularly right now in this country. And we don't have an answer for that. Um, so if we're not promoting ways to help support families, young families, single, single mothers um, as a Republican Party without using the government to do it, we're going to keep losing this battle. That is correct. Tony? Hey, I think uh, Nikki hit it on the head, and I think it's been the biggest problem that the uh, Republicans have had since we started uh, post-Trump, should I say, messaging. I think he was an expert on messaging. The biggest problem I see with the uh, Dobbs versus Jackson uh, issue is that education is not not happening in our race. and I say that because most people don't even know who Margaret Sanger is. Most people don't even know what she stood for or didn't stand for. And the Democrats are leveraging this thing in every election because yeah. our people are not educated. So one of the things that we do have to do is uh, concentrate on our messaging. And also we've got to also concentrate on the fact that it took 50 years for us to get to this point where we're now changing Roe v. Wade back and giving it back to the states. Well, the Democrats had 50 years to make it a constitutional effort. They never did that. No one pointed that out. So I think, yeah, messaging is a big issue. And until we start having controlled messaging across the whole platform of uh, the Republican um, messaging uh, system, we're not going to win elections. That's right. Now, in July, the White House argued that we were not in a recession, uh, despite two consecutive quarters of GDP decline, partly because the unemployment, the employment numbers were solid. However, in mid-December, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics reported that the job estimate uh, for that period were greatly exaggerated. Instead of adding 1,121,500 jobs to the economy, uh, the economy added only 10,500 jobs. That is a a big discrepancy there. Uh, In light of this, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit bit off. Uh, In light of this and other uh, bits of information that we have on such things as inflation and debt, what sort of financial shape is the United States truly in? And how can we ascertain our financial condition being accurately reported? (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, first of all, I think it's important to understand that, uh, getting those numbers wrong and remembering at that time, they were also pushing the inflation reduction act that yes. we all know did absolutely nothing to reduce inflation. Uh, we all knew that those, once again, we knew that the numbers were bogus. Uh, the media though, in particularly those in the financial media knew that those numbers were bogus and yet they said absolutely nothing. Uh, folks, it's important for us to understand that, uh, we have to be very careful about what we're, what media we're intaking, that we're not just listening to whatever folks are telling us. Uh, but in reality, we know if things are how things are going. You go to the grocery store, you go to the gas pump. Uh, you know that your dollar is is bringing less to you. You're watching the interest rates on your credit cards, on home loans going up. Uh, you watching economists, people who actually work in this industry are telling you that we're probably 99.9% uh, heading into a major recession. 
Uh, it's funny how they want to change definitions of what a recession is. Uh, once we all of a sudden meet that definition during a Democrat presidency, now they want to change the definition. Um, I, I think it's obvious that we're that we're in a, that we're going to be in a challenging spot. And one of those things that is watch how much our debt is running up. While we were talking earlier about you know Ukraine and spending money on the border and spending money on locals here, keep in mind we we didn't find any money. We're printing money. Yeah, we are. So that is a high sign when you don't have enough money to fulfill your basic obligations, and yet you're going to borrow money to not just try or claim to take care of those, but to then take care of things that are not your primary responsibility. That is a key sign that your nation or your entity, organization, whatever it is, uh, is heading towards a financial cliff. Donna? We've been in a recession. And you you can just talk to your neighbors and find out that. Uh, You see the shelves in the stores that are empty. You see people who can't afford to put gas in their car. Um, You just have to talk to anyone in your community and you know you're in a recession. I think the worst thing is, the worst thing is how the media covers this situation up. If this was a Trump area era presidency, you know, they would have admitted it months ago, a year ago. But the struggle that people are having at the gas pump, the struggle that there are families that make over $100,000 that are living paycheck to paycheck, that have food insecurities, that have shut off notices. One, the, the Energy Information Administration said, that one in four families can't pay their electric bills. They and that's that number is double for African Americans. They're receiving shutoff notices month to month. People are living in food insecurities, utility insecurities. Um, we're, we've been in a recession and it's going to get worse. They've been secretly laying off people for months. They've all announced it. Amazon, Google, yes, all of the companies, Targets. Everyone has been laying off people for months now that nobody's paying attention to. Targets didn't make their numbers. Walmart's didn't hit their numbers. The companies are are hemorrhaging money, and but they're so afraid of this administration that they won't admit it out loud. That's right, Nikki. Uh, once again, I'm going to have to throw this back to to Republicans uh, again. I mean, I, we, we know that the Democrats are lying to us. I mean, come yeah. on, 1.1 million jobs off of, of the actual number reporting. <laughs> we know, come on. That, 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 that should be a big news story. Absolutely. But, but what are Republicans going to do? to message their way out of this, to find solutions for the American people. This is this was a key failure and midterm loss to me that they were not able to capitalize on the fact that we, yes, we were in a recession. Inflation is, is through the roof. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having near strokes every time I look at my monthly budget and I look at how much we've been spending on food um, and gas. Um, and fuel, you know, and heating and everything mm-hmm. in, the, in the house. Um, but but there was no message. Why? Why do we not have solutions? We are conservatives. We have the right. We have the great, the best ideas. But 
I don't remember hearing that in anybody's messaging in the midterm. I mean, locally at the national level, it was all pointing to the Democrats and relying on people's um, historical um, thinking that the people were going to vote with their wallets. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen by far. I mean, we had a, we, we won some seats in the House, but by far, we should have won a lot more uh, and we should have taken the Senate too. But and I think that's clearly, you know, a, a huge issue that we did not we did not capitalize on um, solutions for getting us out of this recession. That's absolutely right. And Tony, you know, our mutual friend, Alan West, you know, he and I have talked about this and we said, you know, a week or so before the midterms, why didn't we see Republicans in front of the supermarket saying, look, Thanksgiving is coming up. Here's what it's cost in normal years. And here's what a Thanksgiving meal is going to cost this year. You're right, Nikki, the messaging just wasn't there. And to hear our president say that, uh, you know, our military should apply for food stamps to get them through this was just the final insult as far as I was concerned. Tony, what are your thoughts on this question? I couldn't say it better than Nikki did. I'll only say this. This is one of the reasons why I ran for Orange County mayor in Florida because of inflation. There was no doubt in my mind that people would be outraged at what was happening to their wallet what was happening to their 401ks, what was happening to the uh, crime situation and everything else that the Democrats were running in our county. But but because we the Democrats outspent me, they outmessaged me because I didn't get that support that I really needed from the local uh, Republican Party. I lost. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason. But what I am saying is this. You get the you get the I always say this. You get the government you vote for. You get it. I get it because I wasn't successful in my messaging in getting us to where we needed to be. But to an even greater point, the press is continuing to back the the Democrats. So we must have a strong messaging uh, strategy when we go forward because they are never going to give us the platform and coverage that we need to get our message out. So we got to be creative in doing it. You know, one thing I want to add, I know that we want the Republican Party. I mean, I'm not, our, our group is not a partisan group, but I know we're looking for the Republican leadership to come out with messaging. We we have to stop because it's going to take people like us yes. that are out there getting the message, building coalitions together so that people can see that it's, it's not the individuals, it's not the party but it's our policies that work. But we're going to have to be in the forefront of that because there are a lot, and unfortunately, there are a lot of conservatives, Republican candidates that like big spending, but they want to blame it on the Democrats. Mm -hmm. They want Mm -hmm. those big spending packages. Mm -hmm. They They want to lose graciously so that they don't have to legislate. And if we have any, any, if we're going to have see any breakthrough in saving people who look like us, mm-hmm. we're going to have to be the ones to step in the forefront, not looking for them to support us, not looking for them to be the leaders. We're going to have to step into that shoe, because if you don't think that people on the hill that has an R or a C by their names don't like 
sending $40 million to Ukraine, $40 billion to Ukraine, you're fooling yourself. That's right. They, they vote for pork. So we're going to have to take the mantle. We know the policies work. We're going to have to be in the forefront. I, I agree with you. you. I, yeah. One of the things that's important to note is, and I, I blame, it, it, being from California, it, it's, it's probably one of the places where it's most evidence. I blame the consultant class. Yeah. We have a class of people yeah. who are running these campaigns yeah. who are used to messaging <laughs> yeah. to the Republican base and have never really had or never really had success uh, in messaging beyond our base. Because that would mean that they would either have to take the time to get to know uh, our community, get to know places <laughs> or people that generally have not traditionally supported Rep the Republican Party or they're going to have to share a piece of the pie and hire people and bring people in and partner with those who do, neither of which they are particularly interested in doing. Yes, now, what I right. will tell you where we have seen success is there was a new class of consultants that are coming along. They're young. They're working on school board races, city council yes, races, yes. county board of supervisors, state legislative races who've developed uh, an understanding and a success in these areas learning how to micro-target and micro-message, uh, learning how to take the features of the Republican Party and identify how that benefits various different constituencies. That's the sort of effort that we need to start doing, that we need to be working in. Uh, yeah. Because in the end, it, it's all about what have you done for me or what are you going to do for me? And uh, it's one thing to talk about liberty and freedom and free enterprise, but in the end, the voter wants to know how does that help me, help my family, help my community? That's right. Okay. Now, you mentioned, Craig, that you're from California. That's my former home state. Uh, mm -hmm. Governor Newsom is considering a reparations bill that could mean as much as $223,000 for each Black California residents. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I have more than a few thoughts on uh, Governor Gavin Mussolini. Um, okay, first of all, you have a you have a state uh, that did not have slavery, that didn't have slaves, uh, require people who didn't own slaves to give money to people who were never slaves. Uh, it makes absolutely, positively no sense, and it is nothing more than an attempt to buy a constituency. Now, the interesting thing is, is this is something that legally will never hold water. It will never fly. So he gets the big PR bounce, which Gavin Newsom is very, very good at. He's very good at the big uh, PR, uh, good, uh, get, very good at getting PR without actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. um, I think is idiotic, in particular in a state uh, that's about to face a 25 billion dollar deficit right it that it, anyway so so those are the that that's the primary issue that i think that we're dealing with is the fact that this is nothing more than a pr stunt it is not going to go anywhere and what i'm hoping is that is that black voters in california when it doesn't go anywhere i'm hoping that they recognize just how fake and fraudulent the Democratic Party here in the state of California is. Because, I mean, they've run pretty much everything, uh, almost my entire, entire adult life here in the state of California, yet the plight of African-Americans in this state has, has never gotten any better. Our communities haven't gotten any better. Quality of education Schools, hasn't gotten any yep. better. None of that has improved. Um, and I'm hoping that this promise, in particular, because it's specifically to Black Americans, uh, Black Californians, I'm hoping 
that they that that they get that it doesn't work. Now, in the event that it does, in the event that they are able to approve it, I I will I'll call it now. You're going to see a whole lot of people identifying as Black Californians uh, <laughs> who are neither Black nor Californians who are going to get in line for their checks. Let me let me just say that. Well, you know what's interesting about it, Craig, is that California has been broke for, what, over a decade now. And in fact, it's hemorrhaging people. Um, I think it's like 163,000 have left during the pandemic. They lost two House seats so in their state Senate. So, I mean, you know, or, or state House. I can't remember. I think it was two House seats. So it, it, they're hemorrhaging people. Where, Like you said in an earlier question, they're printing money. They're going to have to. Because well, there, the state, there is no money. Well, the state of California, understand, they state of California relies heavily on corporations and high income earners for their taxes. So while there was that tech boom during during covid, California was just raking in the money. Uh, the average tax, the average taxpayer doesn't pay much in the way of income taxes in the state of California. Well, California has gone so crazy with their regulations and their taxes and their wokeism, wokeism that you're seeing businesses leave by the hundreds. You're seeing, a well, let me say businesses, employers leaving by the hundreds. You're seeing the wealthy, the investor class leaving by the thousands. Yeah. And now we're starting to see the stock market is coming back. Investment income is coming back. And so now the people, the goose that laid the golden egg, uh, they, they're, they're going to strangle it to death. Yeah. And we now have a multi, multi hundred million. I mean, it's like $200 billion budget in the state of California. Uh, we're going to start to see all of these things, all of these excesses are going to start to uh, have to go away. And it's going to be an example to hope. Well, it's going to be an example to the rest of the country as to what happens when you when you let the left control your entire state government. That's right. Donna. Um, so, you know, this is Gavin Newsom's uh, <laughs> giving his bid for president. Yes, that's that's what this is all about. But it's interesting that in a state where African-Americans have the lowest home ownership rates, yes. have the most segregated communities. Yes. They're using the Green New Deal. I don't, I don't call it the Green New Deal. I call it the, uh, I call it the New Green Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. Because what is done is created a situation of unaffordability where minorities are worse than they were during segregation. Mm-hmm. They have lower incomes. Their businesses are being driven out because of all of these Green New Deal policies. So they're giving people less than what they would need as a down payment for a home. Less. They're yes. supposing less than what they would need for a down payment for a home. They purposely created homelessness by all of these uh, climate change policies that allows multiple lawsuits against one, one industry. And then they, they, they do the equivalent of throwing a water bottle, water bottle at a forest fire. Yes. $133 per black person. I mean, this, this is craziness. I mean, the best thing that a black American can do in California is go to Texas. That's what I did. <laughs> That's what I did two years ago. <laughs> craziness. Craziness. But the, he again, you know, liberals and the left using black people to launch their career when they're actually purposely making black people worse off. 
That is absolutely right. That is the truth of the matter is. So, you know, they're never, of course, they're never going to to see the money. That's why they propose the money because they Mm -hmm. know they're never going to pay it. But the fact is that we need to squash this narrative and let's say, wait a minute, your communities are the most segregated. Your literacy rate for African-American males, because we know they targeted African-American males in California, is the worst. Your incarceration rates are the highest. And so the fact that they would sit here and, you know, demean us, demean African-Americans with this this reparations is crazy. Nikki? Okay, I got a little bit of a different twist on that. Donna, you hit some salient points. This, this uh, To me, this is really key. Progressive policies are the policies that have destroyed Black Americans, period. Progressive mm-hmm. policies um, have, <laughs> have caused all of this despair um, and kept our wealth gap um, higher <laughs> than any any conservative policies or capitalist policies ever in the history of this country. So to that, what they are trying to do is basically say, hey, yes, this, this country owes you. Mm-hmm. We need to repair that. And we're trying to put a Band-Aid on and, let, and let's give you some money to help you fix it. But what they are not doing is pointing to the fact that it's their policies exactly. that made all That's of this right. stuff po- po- um, a, a problem in the first place. Yes. And what Republicans' response is, is really, really, I, this is probably one of the, the topics that infuriates me the most here that we, we're going to discuss today, is because our first instinct is to talk about um, slavery and how uh this the people living today don't owe anybody here um anything um california wasn't a slave state blah 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 but what we're doing is ignoring the fact that it is their democrat and progressive policies that have continued to cause um major problems for black people in this entire country from the time of slavery through jim crow and black laws um to current redlining um you name it eugenics we just talked about with abortion all of those are democratic leftist policies that have left us behind in this country what we need to do instead of saying writing off reparations is we need to counter that message with a um, discussion about why reparations are necessary and then how we propose to repair what this country has done to Black Americans. It doesn't need to be financial. It doesn't need to be through, through our tax money. We need to come up with solutions that are going to fix all of these problems that were caused by Democrats. And we need to point the finger at them and show it to people, just like Tony said earlier, we need to educate Black people and let them know that this is the reason why they are in the state. We are in the state that we are in, and this country is because of progressivism. Yep. Yeah, I think everybody made some great points on Mm -hmm. this subject matter. There was no way I thought that Gavin Newsom was going to survive the recall. When he lost to a guy like Larry Elder, who is probably one of the most articulate, knowledgeable black men, black man in California, I knew at that point, if Larry Elder can't beat this guy in a recall, there's something wrong, just based on the state of California, where it was going. And it is no surprise to me that now he, you know, Gavin Newsom is uh, talking about reparations 
and getting the coverage that he's getting as a result of it. The media right now in the state of California is equal to the media all across our country. They say that wherever California goes, so the states should follow. And I never believed that be, to be true. But what I'm finding is that, wow, a lot of these states are turning towards those same ideologies that California has. Yep. And that is only as a result of media coverage being slanted and the, the fact that our Republican Party, and I, I know how you feel about this, uh, uh, Adana, but I, I'm going to say it again because I ran with these people. The Republican Party must, they must change. If they do not change, people like me will not be able to get in there. I spent a lot of my own personal money to do that. And uh, trying to get the coverage that I need, you must have that back and you got to have the money because we got to play this by their game. We, there's no other way to do it. We're going to continue to lose elections unless we do. We're going to have to do it their way. Thank you. All right, Tony, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit. I, I, I agree with you that we need the support from the National Party, um, it, no matter what our message is. We do. There are some good people who are running um, in, in local races um, throughout the country or even national races throughout the country. They do need the support and the financial backing. But that's not what happened with Larry Elder and Gavin Newsom. Oh, no, I'm I sorry. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you that he, this man has name recognition, Larry right. Elder. He had the money and he had support. Uh, from people, you know, within the party, not necessarily the full national party. Uh, we, we can argue about that. But what I think Larry Elder did wrong, um, and 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 and, and um, I, I have a lot of bones to pick with Larry Elder. We can talk about that another time. But what I think he did wrong here is he went in and took the changed the message from what the grassroots organizations in California that built up this recall. Um, and put it on the ballot in the first place. He took their message away and made it about him. He made it national when that belonged to the people of California. They could have won that race. They could have beat Cal Gavin Newsom. But Larry Elder came in and made it a national race, made it about him. And that was when the media um, coverage made it um, huge. And Democrats started, big name Democrats started going to California to win and defeat. I, I, that didn't happen until he entered that race. So can I, I ask one thing? Can I ask a question on that? Because I'm sure. not a California resident. But don't you think that there there is so much election impropriety going on in that state that it is almost impossible, almost, almost impossible for a person to win on a conservative ticket? Uh, uh, not with a real conservative message. I don't think so. If you have a uh, real uh, conservative method, just like Marie said, there were some 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 Senate or House seats that were just won. These are local area races. If you have a message that's conservative and that is reaching the people who are on the ground and 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 directly addressing their issues, you well, can no, win. I think there, they there is, by mail in ballots. They won by mail in ballots. Something the Republican yeah, Party. Okay, but do. yeah, that's a whole other problem. I think we'll discuss. Well, that's, that's that is another well, the well, discussion. That's something yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to get us to move on a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but to answer that, I will say one thing. Um, and that is, uh, to an earlier point, uh, reparations for something that happened so long ago. Um, I think somebody brought up the whole issue of the HBCUs. All the money that President Trump gave to HBCUs. Been if we want to talk about we need to have a seat at the table. So to have 
more judges, to have more people in the criminal justice system that are uh, correctional officers, that are, you know, all throughout levels of the justice system, to be able to be, to go to an HBCU, to put that money in an HBCU or something like that, or scholarships or those sorts of things. That I agree with. I don't have a problem with that because to address Nikki's point, that does level the playing field a little bit and that does address some of the issues. Um, but just this willy nilly anybody, I mean, we've talked so much about the science, you know, about when life begins. They talk about follow the science and, and address the science, but we've got people saying that, well, I identify as a woman or, you know, there are more than two sexes ignoring the science, you know, um, we've got all of these issues and we need to really address what is factual. And so, you know, you're going to have all these people to Craig's point, identifying as black mm -hmm. at this point, we've got so many people who, who really <laughs> are interracial. We are a melting pot. So I think that is the, the, the strategy that I would have pursued, but we do have a time limit. So I'm going to move us on if you don't mind. Uh, so here we are. The Biden administration announced that nearly 235,000 illegal immigrants were apprehended in November alone, along with a 50% increase in heroin and fentanyl seizures over October. When Title 42 expires, the number of border crossings is expected to increase dramatically from even this number. How much more of this influx can we sustain and what can we do to staunch it. And I'm going to actually go in reverse order this time just to, to break it up a little bit and, and give everybody a chance to, to have their points first. So, Tony? I think, uh, as I've said, this is my number one uh, issue. And I think that our nation is asleep at the switch. There is no telling how many right now sleeper cells we have in this country coming from all over the world. I am convinced that these situations that are happening with our power grid may be as a result of that. The, they are expecting 19 million people to come into this country. I'm sorry, 19,000 people every day, every day. 7,000 are coming in right, right now. 19,000 every day after Title 42. And Title 42 simply states that if you have COVID, you have to stay in Mexico because, or you, if any person coming in, if we suspect them with COVID, they have to stay in, in Mexico. That's it. But we don't need Title 42 if we just follow our own our own immigration laws. So <laughs> yeah, we've right. gotten to a point right. now in this country where we, I understand why they're doing this. Everybody here probably does. They're doing it because they think these are prospective voters. These yeah. people are going to be granted citizenship. But I'm also convinced that at this moment, at this moment, this is my best, my, this is what keeps me up at night. This is what makes me afraid as a, as a, retired, a retired soldier yeah. that uh, we have already, put ourselves in grave danger for another 9-11. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nikki. Yeah. Our homeland is at risk. Absolutely. From all fronts, health, um, financial, um, domestic security. Um, we are, we are, we are gravely at risk, but we are also promoting, um, gosh, uh, this human trafficking and horrible yes. uh, human rights abuses that are happening yes. um, with all the transport of these illegal immigrants, um, you know, through our country. But this is 100% preventable. All of this is. 
um, we if, if we just shut the doors <laughs> for a, a a predefined period of time, codify some legislation uh, um, about immigration, and you know make clear clarify what the Constitution says, birthright citizenship, all of it. Um, but and I want to point out before my, my last That's point, right. we had the House, the presidency, and the Senate, and we chose yes. not to do it. So um, That's right. are they going to do it? What are they going to do? I don't know where our hope lies here. Um, I, I'm I'm actually not only afraid, um, but I, I really am not hopeful that this is going to get fixed in our lifetime. That's right. Donna. Well, you know what? Illegal immigration is a black issue. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. What happens is yes. when they flood the market with illegal immigrants, then it replaces minority black workers. It increases the incarceration rates on black males. It increases the unemployment rate on black males. It takes away from affordable housing from African-American communities. Um, and why don't we discuss this, Donna? Why don't we message I, this? I, I, my group, I'm gonna tell you the truth. My group is always messaging this. Yes, yes. We're getting on every We do too, and yes. We're trying to put out commentaries. We're going to groups and we're trying to build coalitions from other conservative groups to get this messaging out. Um, I, I, I'm on the beat all the time saying, listen, we it is no longer that you can have this policy group and this policy group doing what they, you know, they have their thing and we have their thing, our thing. No, as a group, yes. we're going to have to get together and defeat this because, you know, you had 30 progressive groups that wrote a letter to all the corporations that were on Twitter and Twitter after Elon Musk bought it, and they were losing $4 million a day in revenues. We have more mm. than that many groups, conservative groups, that don't get together and do the same thing. We have to fight in numbers, and we have to yes. let all of our people, if they don't give us a platform, we need to be reaching in conferences, we need to get in communities. And that's what I encourage all of our members to do. We're putting out publications. We're we're doing all of that so we can get that messaging through. Do you know that the people that call me the most are like former black teachers that people in this country don't even know that the the teachers union, the largest teacher union, mm -hmm. reduced the number of black teachers in this country from 40% to four. four. Mm. These are not right-wing conservatives that are doing this. These mm. are left-wing mm -hmm. individuals that won't even let this information get out on the TV screen. We need to be filing lawsuits. Mm -hmm. We need to do all of these things fighting together. And that's what we're trying. I get teachers unions, former urban league presidents, NAACP presidents. I get people that are calling me, asking me for my help because even on the left, blacks are being censored. Yes. And they don't know how to fight because 
they are not allowed to fight. They have to go through re-education. They have to be reminded that they're black. And they, they want to. And so that's the thing that I'm always trying to stress. We have to be on the forefront. And we have to get lawyers. We got lawyers. We get lawyers. We have to file lawsuits. We have to fight against this. Because the mess, the policies, like, like, uh, like you said, the policies are destroying our communities. They're mm -hmm. flooding this country with illegal immigrants to to replace the black people that have embraced all the policies that they told them they should, like abortion, like yes. single parenthood, like this uh, gender all of a sudden that we're not going to be re re be reproducing. And that is the biggest problem yes. that we're facing today. And so, you know, all of a sudden you got a new broad of, you know, demographic that you can have permanently dependent on our government resources and who are guaranteed voters. That's what illegal That's immigration is about. Craig? Um, you know, earlier, one of the other guests said that we don't know if we're going to be able to solve this in, in our lifetime. The truth oh. is, is that not too long ago, we had a solution. During the Trump administration, uh, illegal immigration cratered like to, yes. to like 85 per, 85 percent of what it was under the obama years and it was mm -hmm. really simple it was a policy that said if you violate our immigration laws you will pay a consequence you mm -hmm. are not allowed to just walk across our southern border the idea of building the wall is less about the actual building of the wall than sending a message that our laws our borders yeah. matter what we have right now is we have an administration that says uh, that that at once was saying, "Come, you're welcome." And now that now that all everybody's coming, now they're doing almost the same thing, except they're saying, "We don't want you to come." Yes, we do. We don't want <laughs> you to come. If yeah. you come, we don't know what we're going to do. So you know, just come here. And oh, by the way, when you get here, we're going to give you we're going to give you a, a a place to live. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you a job. We're going to give you free education. Uh, you cannot. I'll put it to you this way, and, and, and if you, anybody's ever lived in a neighborhood where you have uh, uh, stray animals, for example, right? If you keep putting out food, for you're going to get strays that are going to come. And yeah. I'm not comparing these folks to strays, and I un totally understand why they are coming here. But if you keep providing the incentive for them to come to come into this country illegally, uh, they're going to continue to do it. Uh, my in-laws immigrated here. They did so legally. They went through the legal process. Yes. What is it that we say to them who took the time, who yeah. filled out the paperwork, who put up the money, yeah. the who money. did everything yeah. right, who came here, didn't get on government assistance or government dependence, and built something out of nothing? What do you say to them when you reward people for cutting in front of the line? Well, yeah. and you try well, to go to Canada. Me, you me, try to go to Mexico. That. And, oh, yeah. and see, you know, you can't walk across yep. the border to any of our neighboring countries. And, you know, to your point, Craig, I have to disagree with you on one thing. You can put out uh, the food for the streets as long as it's not in Hyannisport and as long as it's not in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to say, yes, uh, I, I just want to clarify my point. I, I, I do believe we have the solutions. We just we just haven't. We're not going to be able to be codifying them into law um, that oh, solidify our will. immigration policy. That's mm -hmm. a problem. We can we can make executive orders until you know the cows come home, and then when the next administration gets in, we're going to see exactly yeah. what we're seeing That's right true. now. 
It's amazing. Well, we just enforce the laws that we have right now. I <laughs> yeah, but we. Your point earlier. We, we our, our laws are very right. loose. But we're supporting Ukraine's border. Oh, oh we're yes. supporting yes and protection mm -hmm. for yes. their border. But ours is open, and if you say no. something, you're racist. Yeah. You know, yes. I'm like, okay, well, I don't care what yeah. I am, but I'm still right, and we need to make yes. sure that we're right. rid okay. of black right. workers and and people who fought so hard for citizenship. We fought so hard to be recognized as human beings in yes. this country, and now we have a whole broad population coming to this country that didn't work for it, and they get it. How? Yep, yeah. What are you saying to African Americans? And progressives are telling them right. that this is their country too. They, they, we don't have any borders. That we're usurpers. Yeah. So you know, but for black people, we just you know, we just I don't know what we are. We just we have the wrong. We just over here. That's talking for us. We have. We are an inconvenient truth in their eyes. Yeah. On our behalf, that is the problem. It's take it's individuals like us that have to get up there and say, you know. These people don't speak for us because we don't believe that. We want our families to be strong, our communities to be safe. We want good paying gateway, blue collar gateway jobs. We don't want you to price us out of the marketplace. We want to live in your neighborhood. Yes. And we don't want your crack pipe, your free crack pipes or your or your clean exactly. syringes. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't want the fentanyl yes. and the crack. Can you stop exactly. doing that? <laughs> yes. Hey, Marie, I wanted to now, make one thing point out one thing too on this the media didn't cover this for years years these people have been pouring across that border for years right and they never covered it so it's not that the american american you know i got friends and you guys have friends they're right. looking at cnn they're looking at msnbc they're not they don't want to go to fox news because right. they like what they're hearing on cnn exactly. but, CNN and, and all of these 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 medias, these uh call themselves uh what they call them mainstream. They, they're not mainstream. No. All they are are puppets for the social socialism and the Democratic Party. So they're not covering yeah. it. So Americans yeah. don't even know it. They're propaganda for the proletariat. That's right. that's, yep. that's right. Exactly. Now a phrase that few remember hearing before 2022 is all ages drag show. Why has the trans agenda suddenly become a prominent part of our culture, especially in the areas of education and entertainment where children are involved? I'm going to start with Tony. I think it has always been there. And I'm not saying in the public eye, but I think things like this have always been there. And I think what we did, we being Americans, turned our back on our education system. And when yes. we did that, I, for one, I mean, I spent my 25 years in the military. You know, I my kids went to public school, but I never really focused that much on that. My, my wife did to some degree. But I think as we looked the other way, they were they were taking out all of the conservatism in our education system. And they've been doing that since Woodrow Wilson. So I think it's always been there. And I think right now they're they're throwing that long pass and they're trying to get all of this stuff put yes. into uh, into our into our the mainstream of our uh, of our children, we're in danger. That's absolutely right, Nikki. 
Yeah, I agree. I think this has been progressively happening for many, many years, and it has been happening on just right under our noses. Um, me being working in an academic institution, I have seen the you know progression of it um, over time. Um, and if you haven't read um, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible yes. Damage, please do. It is one of the most important books to me of our lifetime to protect our girls. Um, and it, this hits home to me, particularly because I have young daughters. I have a preteen and a teen, and they are in school and including a private school uh, where this this ideology has yes. infiltrated. It is everywhere. It is not only in schools. It is in our media. It is, come on, it's Disney. Right? You know, the, yes. the, the video yeah. files that we've seen from Disney where um, we know that it's right in their agenda in their agenda to transform the thought process um, of our young children. They want them to find faults in their bodies and, and, be, and being women, <laughs> being young women, being young men, being masculine men, um, all of this stuff comes together. Um, they want them to take away their own self-love and be hurting. I, I don't know what it is. This is some evil that has infiltrated in our society and we have to find a way um, to combat this. And we have to do it through family, uh, through spirituality. Um, we have to take over. But the, on a positive note, I do love, love, love um, the organizations like Miles for Liberty um, that yes. went in, yes. started the grassroots campaigns to try and get parents like us yes. with conservative solutions onto school boards. They had some wins, yes. terms, and that's something that we, you know, we don't really talk about. Um, that mm. and goes back to what Donna's been saying a bunch. We have to, at the grassroots level, take on some of these responsibilities. Um, but we are we are we are a republic, so it happens at home first. And if we can take right. over school boards, our councils, um, we can reverse some of this. So I think there's some That's hope. That's right. There. Donna? You know, it's a sad thing that you have 1% of the population, yes. 1% affecting yeah. the entire country yes. because they are the loudest. Mm -hmm. The people who make up the majority who are against these types of policies are too afraid to be very vocal. I mean, That's on right. a on a aggressive level, what they're doing, you know, there's a lot of laws built around what minors can engage in. Mm -hmm. You know, you, uh, minors can't sign a contract because they lack the maturity. They can't. Uh, you can't sit down there and coerce a confession out of a minor without their their parents. So there's a lot of laws built around what minors can engage in. And yet we're, we're using a legal concept that was taught, CRT, critical race, is a legal, <clears throat> a legal battle, right? And we're teaching that to kids that lack the maturity that we already know that. So we need to be figuring out new creative ways to file lawsuits to stop what we're seeing right now, because there's a 1% of the population that's destroying all the rest of us. There's And, and, and the problem is, here's the real problem, because I always think it's follow the money. The medical profession has realized that this is a big yes. mess. Yes, it is. Yes. Of me sitting down and seeing a regular physical, now you got therapies, you got physical, you know, the psychological, mental, 
it's mental, you know, like the mental thing. You got you got surgeries, you got all this. And they realize that this is a great financial windfall. Yes. You got the legal profession who realize that they can sit down there and file all kinds of lawsuits against the people who are opposing this. And so this is a big financial windfall. We need to be going after those professions that see that's this right. as a money-making scheme. And that's what it is. It's a money-making scheme. Go after them because they're the ones that are pushing this agenda because they see the financial windfall out of it. And they don't mind that they're using minor children to do it. And so and, if I can sit down there, I mean, you've got prestigious institutes, yes, medical professions coming out of this. And this is huge. This is huge for them. And it's yeah, all, Donna, I don't think it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Yeah, I think that some of these um, kids who are coming out who are, have um, detransitioned and who have you know grown yes. up into adults and are now recognizes um, are actually pushing back. And there was an interview I just uh, I think it was on Tucker, um, a young lady who, who yes. was interviewed. She's yeah. suing her um, yes. mental health professional for pushing yes. um, this ideology when there, there's no scientific basis for it. And I, I think that's kind of where it where it's going to have to start. Uh, because it is so pervasive right now. Um, and I agree. To Donna's point, you know, the fact that we don't let children drive, they can't drink, they can't vote, they can't get married. And yet, here's the thing, when you talk about that, Nikki, about the psychologists and uh, the American Psychiatric Association, it, gender dysphoria is still the DSM-5, as far as I am aware. And the fact of the matter is, we know we know for a fact that children developmentally right. cannot distinguish fantasy from reality until they're about seven years old. Um, and there are kids that are transitioning much younger than that because of their parents. And they don't even know uh, fact from reality. They still believe in Santa Claus. Sorry if there are any kids watching this. that shouldn't be watching it. But if you are, you know, uh, if I spoiled don't anything. Don't believe you. But, you know, they... <laughs> You know, that it's the thing, you know, the kids uh, can't distinguish fantasy from reality. That's why you hear about kids jumping off of buildings because they think they can fly. You hear uh, little kids that don't understand that their pet can't come back to life once it dies because they don't understand the permanence of certain things. And yet you have a medical branch that is affirming some of this garbage. And so that to me is the most startling thing. The duress that they're under, the undue influence of the of the teaching profession that is coercing these people into this. I mean, this is crazy. If I can chime in real quick, um, I think, first of all, it's important to understand that whether it's the trans theory, queer theory, critical race theory, uh, 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 the, the modern feminism, it's important to understand the root of all of these theories, they all come from social justice theory, which finds yeah. its roots in postmodernism, which finds its roots in in communist Marxism. Mm -hmm. and, and and I learned this as a as a school board member, because as they started to try and want to talk about these sorts of things in our school district, you know, I said, you know, what? let me come to understand this stuff a little better. So I read the books, the foundational books of critical race theory. I read I read about critical theory and social justice. And, and here's the thing, folks, is 
is when you understand that the progressivism, and I like someone talked about this earlier, the progressivism that took place in the early ninth in the in the early 1900s, all once it failed, once it was revealed that the Soviet Union was 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 a was an utter failure when it came to taking care of its people, all of those American progressives all went into academia. They all went into Columbia School of Education, Harvard School yes. of Education, yep. Yale, yep. Stanford, Princeton, and then and then they the were arts, re-infused, theater right into the into the arts. <laughs> they were. It, they were further infused, and with the night when the 1960s radicals, you know the the uh, what's it the Weather Underground, when their leadership mm-hmm. and, and all of those folks all once again all went into those same institutions. They began educating the educators. They became being started educating the filmmakers, the people, the, the the lawyers, the people who would influence our society. So now, what was a was a academic theory which never ever ever was ever put to any real substantive logical critical thinking sort of 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 academic rigor is now has now been pushed into people who are in media who are in the legal profession who are in education all areas that influence our society and when it comes to education most importantly influence our children if we are ever going to turn this back number one we need to get people to wake up. Number two, we need to start to take those institutions back. We need to yeah, start absolutely. being involved, not just Amen. in the school boards, mm-hmm. but in the schools that are educating the educators. Educators, Craig, that is so, yeah, that's right. so that's right. right. And, and, and it goes back to Donna's point about how it's infiltrated the medical profession. It's the same thing with the scientists yeah. um, as well. And so it is in medical schools. I can tell you, I sat in a meeting yes. two years ago Yep. My Ohio State Medical Association, it was uh, our House of Delegates meeting, and um, I was a delegate for my district, and there was a resolution put on the table from medical students to start teaching sex education in preschool. Do you know that that resolution passed through the House yep. of Delegates? There were only a few dis- dissenting voices, mine included, um, and that, for me, we... we, it, it, we are okay. not running those institutions. We uh, need to be... Um, America's best and brightest are being educated into imbecility. Yes, yes. that's yes. right. That's right. Yes. Now, our it's last question. To point out his point real quick. The last institution that it took was the Department of Defense. They're teaching this to our oh. soldiers, our airmen, yes. and our, our Marines. Yeah. Oh, it's in the church, too. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Too. It's in the church. Yes. Now, uh, what story do you think has been underreported but very, uh, very important, Tony? China, COVID nineteen coming back, making its resurgence. Us not putting a a testing requirement on immigration coming from China. They are right now sending Chinese residents to all, all over the world. It's getting ready to happen again. They opened up. Well, first of all, they shut people down in China all over the place. I'm sure all of you know this. These big, huge cities, they actually welded people into their apartments saying that they wanted zero, uh, uh, a zero uh, rate on COVID-19. Never happened. And once the people started rising up saying they're going to get rid of Xi Jinping, he had to reverse that. And now what's happening is people are dying and they are dying all over that country by the millions. And now what we have is a problem with 40 million males in a population 
of about 1.2 billion that have no women because for years they kept the women out or, or rather they got one child and then that one child was a, a girl. They had that child aborted mm-hmm. and they tried to get a, a boy. Yeah. So now you have all these men that are around 25 to 35 years old, not, no women, and you have a country now turning against the CCP. What do you think is getting ready to happen? And they are plagued with this disease that they never got a hold of in the beginning because they locked people up. China. Yeah, that's right. And we're seeing the uh, white paper or the blank paper uh, revolution. So we're yes, you're right. Uh, Nikki? Uh, great point, Tony. I mean, I definitely hope that Republicans control in the House Committee. I hope we have some in- investigations into this. Mm-hmm. And I hope to see more people um, like my new um, Senator uh, J.D. Vance, who are talking about, um, you know, punishing China um, for, uh, for, for what it did, for sending out a deadly virus throughout the, the world and putting some financial pressure on them uh, for doing so. But, um, oh boy, a couple, quite a few topics we haven't touched. Um, I, I one big one that does need to be discussed is uh, what's happening with the Republican Party um, leadership and Harmeet Dillon challenge, challenging um, Brown and McDaniel. Um, where is that going to go? Well, um, well, first of all, um, I think what what needs to be discussed is why leadership change is needed and Harmeet meets position um, about transparency. Where's all the money going? Um, who are these strategists? Um, and what did, how did they get it so wrong? Why do we still why are we still using these same strategists? Those are huge, huge, huge points. Um, ground game and um, message building, uh, getting out the vote, why was Scott Pressler denied? All of those mm-hmm. issues need to come up to the forefront and they need to be dealt with. Um, we need to talk about why the Republican Party keeps telling us they're going to do things for us that they're mm-hmm. not doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to admit that these are issues within our party and not it, the Democrats are not just a problem. So whether or not Ronna McDaniel wins again, which I happen to think she will because I think she's bought and paid for her seat uh, pretty much. Um, those are issues that need to be addressed and come up front. And I do think that we're going to, because we did not see a great turnout um, in the midterms, public Republicans don't want to admit that the turnout was huge because, because our strategies are failing. Um, We need to address that. If we don't address it, then um, this party is going to be dead and we're not going to, we're not going to grow anything. We're not even going to keep the base that we actually have. So that's what, that's what I think. Great points. Donna. Well, mine is environmental justice. I would say the injustices of environmental justice. So, you know, we talk a lot about how much money Ukraine is getting. What we don't realize is that just in the Inflation Reduction Act, there was $60 billion for environmental justice. Do you think any of that money is going to go to help Black communities? No. Uh It was passed in the name of African-American communities, but they will never see that. Just to give you a uh, understanding of how much that means, $60 billion is the market capitalization of Ford Motor Company mm. worldwide. You know how many jobs that can create for African-Americans? Mm. You know how much that can improve the lives? If you look at the, uh, the inflated value of Black Wall Street, the 1922 Black mm-hmm. Wall Street, we could create 2,000 of those. 2,000. Mm. And that was just in one bill. 
the EPA created a new environmental justice office that'll be in 20 regions around the country. There are going to be billions. That was just one act. There's going to be billions, and there have been hundreds of billions of dollars for environmental justice that will go to white elite climate change activists that will never see the streets of a black community. Billions, hundreds of billions. Nobody's paying attention to it. It's not going, it's not being given to HBCUs. It's not being given to uh, any, any organizations in African-American communities. It mm. will nothing but maybe replace a few windows. Mm. None of that money will see black communities. And that's all being done in our name where we have no control of it, over it. And it's being given to elite environmental law firms that are not black. Craig. Uh, I'm going to go back to the story that we started off with. And that is the uh, government sponsored and paid for censorship of political mm -hmm. enemies. Uh, we, we know what's going on with Twitter because that information has been released to the public. We know it happened in Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg, when he was interviewed by Joe Rogan, said that he was they were in communication with the FBI. We know that it and we know that it happened with Google because we know the folks who, who run Google. The point that I am making here is is that it has affected the town square. The, the Internet is now the official town square, whether it's the Google, the searches that you do on Google, whether it's your your social media, whether it's the videos uh, that are on YouTube, which, by the way, is owned by Google, uh, which, by the way, is the largest search engine out there with, with the exception of Google. They 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 have been successful in doing a bunch of different things. It impacted the 2018 election where Democrats took control of took control of Congress. It impacted the 2020 election where oh, yeah. uh, where they basically took the election from Donald Trump by sub by subverting and keeping down information uh, that we knew to be true. It impacted the 2022 election. Yes. Yeah. It impacted COVID where. People who yes, were yes, who were yes, medical yes. Uh -huh. experts, right? Yep. These are people from institutions that are renowned that they were experts in their field, but mm -hmm. they were silenced by the government through social media and through the tech companies. And and uh, when it came to therapeutics, when it came to the efficacy of of uh, of vaccines, and thousands, hundreds of thousands, I feel very comfortable saying lost their lives mm -hmm. as a result of this censorship. Folks, yep. if we do yep. not get a hold of this, we won't get a hold of elections. We won't get a hold of, of, of disinformation out there. We have got to get a hold of the idea that the state has, has worked with technology companies to violate the first of our Bill of Rights, arguably the most important, yes. and that is the right to freedom of speech. And once we lose that, all of the other, all of the other rights uh, will soon follow. And so on true. that note, oh, true. <laughs> we need to wrap up this roundtable. I have to thank our guests. Our guests today have been Colonel Anthony Saab. We've had Dr. Nicole Johnson. We've had Donna Jackson and Craig Deleuze, who some may remember was our very first guest on African American conservatives and gave us the whole idea to turn it into a podcast. So got to give. 
Craig. Thanks, Greg. Some props. That's great. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Thank you all for being our guests today on African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. Happy New Year. Yay. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Thank Thanks for having me. That was an amazing roundtable with some great voices. Be sure to tune in to acons.substack.com and also anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S or brightnews.com. Until next time, this is Marie with African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, bidding you goodbye. And also for DK also, who was not on screen today, but he was here. So we wish you a very happy new year.